the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back. Another fine week. I guess I'll start out today by saying, look, if you have a phone call, question, or comment, um, actually, if you have a question or comment, use the phone and make a call, <laughs> and uh, we'll try to answer it. If we can't answer it, then uh, um, I'll actually write it down and look it up during the week and get back to you. So and that's kind of what we like to do at my firm, um, and a lot of people like to have a one-stop shopping place or would like to have one, and Today's day and age, everything is so complicated. You've got to have specialists in just about every area. State planning attorney, uh, tax specialist, investment specialist. Yeah. Financial planning is okay. Um, and actually, most financial planners today are, are kind of like medical doctors, MDs. They're there to point you to the specialist. It, it takes care of that kind of stuff. So anyway. Uh, long story short, the uh, age of specialization and, well, I'll tell you, wherever you choose to specialize, um, there's a lot of work there. I can't believe how much stuff has been created by people. <laughs> it's just rules, regulations, products. Along that line, the uh, we've got a seminar coming up. I actually have to go to my website to remember what date it is but there's been a change and there's been a change there's been a new offering uh, one company has kind of fired the first shot I think I've already read about a second one that was announced about a week after this one was and this is a uh, um, it's actually something that's kind of controversial because you've got people that that really don't like annuities and then you have people that really do um, I'm all for the ones that have low fees um, because that'll eat into your returns if you're not careful, sometimes by a lot. Um, I used to use some products that don't that didn't exist for a very long time because they were actually really good and they had uh, lower fees, lower industry average fees. Well, now that, that has come in even further and we're going to talk about that at the, the upcoming workshop. There are some things that you can do that you just can't do with any other products. And the investments involved are uh, best companies in the world 
T. Rowe Price, Vanguard, Fidelity, you name it. There's a ton of funds in there, every category you can possibly think of. Tax deferral is kind of a big deal. You know, if you don't have to worry about having to pay taxes and you can manage your portfolio, that's one of the things that I see people, that's a mistake I see a lot of people making is hanging on to something because they don't want to realize a capital gain. Well, if something is overpriced and it's time to go, it's time to go. If it were tax deferred, it wouldn't matter. You wouldn't worry about it. And that's one of the benefits. The, uh, the other One of the other benefits is when you're looking at these types of products, what you want to take uh, into account is do they have any fees or penalties if you need to or if you want to move the money anytime you want? And if the answer is yes, I would probably, i just steer clear of it. It's not the best product, in my opinion. It's not the best product, and that's an opinion. Okay, Because if I, if I decided that I wanted to move some money, if I wanted to take some money out, um, move it someplace else, the, uh, I really don't want extra fees if I can avoid it. It makes sense, right? And this is one of those. So that's kind of neat. Anyway, there's a bunch of different stuff, and we're going to be talking about it. I think it, it's, it's kind of exciting because it's, there are some other options that you can add, and there are, they are optional. That's another thing I really like about it, and this is something that's changing throughout my industry. They're, they're making programs available with many options, where you can change without having to pay fees or, or penalties. And that's awesome. You know, the, uh, that, that is a great thing because what it enables me to do is to work completely without uh, having to take that into account. And that's a big deal. So anyway, that seminar is, it's actually November 21st. That's not the Thanksgiving weekend, by the way. The, uh, it's the week before Thanksgiving, and it's on. It's a Thursday night. You can go to my website, bullingtoncapital.com. You can sign up for free. There's no cost. However, seating is limited, and this should be a uh, should be a lot of fun. I think that uh, you know this is amazing. I mean, some of the stuff that's going on out in the world, and it's not just this particular item that we'll be talking about. We're talking about a lot of changes that are occurring economically. That represent opportunities, you know, and, uh, the description of the seminar was nothing is as constant as change and it's changing again. Well, actually it's always changing. <laughs> Things are always changing. So what's new? What can we try to incorporate? How do we manage risk, uh, with the new tools that are available to us or should we just stick to the old tools? And it really depends on your situation, but the new tools we're going to talk about how you might be incorporating some of that into your, your financial plans, especially when it comes to retirement planning, especially when it comes to retirement, you get to within 10 years of retirement and you have another 2007 through 2009 on your hands. That would be rough. That would be really rough. I mean, the vast majority of people had a, a lot of their money in stock funds that got cut in half or more. And it's really hard to be able to retire when you see your retirement savings get cut in half. It's very difficult. And the answer is not to jump in and jump out at the right time. You just won't be able to do that. And I'm sorry uh, if that, that, you know, I have to be giving you some bad news there, but I don't care how much you pay somebody. 
Nobody's ever made decent returns by essentially timing the market. And a lot of people don't even think that they're timing the market. Well, I'm not timing the market. I just want to know when I should get out and then when I should get back in. Okay, that's timing the market. <laughs> so let's just, <laughs> you're trying to figure out when the best time to, that, that is really a tough thing to do. In fact, it's so tough. You, you just can't. I mean, you might be able to add some benefit. And by the way, a lot of things that, that worked five years ago, they don't even work today. Stuff that was working five years ago stopped working. Some of them, not all of it. Some of the stuff that's still working, you know, that we're going to talk about that too at the upcoming seminar because some of it still works. And they've got the uh, older fashioned type of investing. We'll talk about that too and how that's changing somewhat. It's been changed by the investment environment. The old fashioned method is to look into a company, look into what the company does and try to make a decision on whether or not you're going to invest in that company and how much of your money you're going to put in there. And uh, that's more traditional. It's called value-oriented investing. And uh, we're going to take a, a brief look at that as well. And uh, so we've got, we'll have like four different topics. The last topic that we're going to talk about is the Lookout for the Bull website, which is, it's actually functional right now. I had somebody sign up for it. I just refunded them right away. Because I still have to learn how to use MailChimp. That's a program, if you're not, you know, really internet savvy, that allows us to send out the email campaigns, uh, basically the email newsletter. And uh, so that's all I got to do, actually, is is learn how to use that. So it is so close. But if you go to look out for the bull, you'll be able to see that. And I think the the last part of today's show, I'll take some time to talk about that in more detail. So you may want to stay tuned for that. That's a very specific management style. And, uh, you know, I realize I, I, I probably it's hard for people to follow a lot of what I'm saying because I, I do tend to talk about more than one topic. And uh, it's it, it's easy to get confused. So if you do have questions, feel free to go to my website. Contact us. Uh, I promise you. No pesky salesperson is gonna gonna call. I am the salesperson, <laughs> and uh, I have a tough time calling back the people who want to talk to me. So, if you have a question, I will try to answer it. If you are a client, you know that I typically get back to you at least in twenty four hours, minimally, if not that day. So that's one of the things that we try to do. That's a little bit different. We try to get back to you as quickly as possible, even if it's just to say, "Hey, I'm still working on it." And, uh, so let's see, uh, that's kind of a big deal. Anyway, we've, we've been hearing, uh, some reports on, well, actually for months now, they've been talking about the upcoming recession. Isn't that amazing how a couple months ago they were talking about the impending doom, you know, this is coming, get ready, markets going down and eventually I mean, there's still a little bit of it out there, but it's kind of died out. And that that's a, uh, a trend that you'll see in financial markets. If you watch really closely, something is, is going to be expected to happen. And they'll talk about it and they'll talk about it and they'll talk about it. And then it doesn't happen. And then they stop talking about it or, or start talking about a little bit less. It doesn't happen. I'll start talking about a little bit less. Still doesn't happen. And then it happens. 
And then they go, see? I told you. <laughs> well, it's kind of like predicting time, you know? At some point in time, you know, 24 hours from now, it's going to be 1113. And if I keep saying, you know what? It's going to be 1113. <laughs> it, sooner or later, they're going to be right. Yeah. It's like the weather's going to change. I'm telling you, it's going to snow one day. The um, Now, if you'd never seen snow, if you lived in some exotic place in the world and, and never had the experience of snow, and people were telling you what it was going to be, and they started telling you in May or, or June that it's going to snow, it's going to snow. By the time the snow showed up, you're probably so tired of hearing about it <laughs> that you get surprised. They tried to predict the exact day. Well, good luck. Um, that's a lot like the economy and a lot like predicting recessions. And incidentally, these scans I run for the lookout for the bull, we're going to talk about that the last segment of today's show. So 1140, you might want to stay tuned for that or pick it up on uh, iTunes or iHeartRadio. You can go, it's a podcast and you can pick up, just go to skip to the last section. We're going to talk about individual stocks that are coming up on some momentum scans um, not a big deal, but when I do these scans, I'm looking for stocks that are moving up right now, those that are leading the market currently. And what I've been seeing there is that, oh, well, I guess it was about three or four weeks ago, it was almost all gold stocks. I have a tough time trading gold stocks, by the way. It's just, I've never been good at it. I, I have a reason why we'll come back to that later in today's show. But it's interesting that gold stocks were coming up. And then we've got it, which might be a uh, an expectation that maybe a recession is setting in. And like I said, that was several weeks ago uh, that a lot of them were coming up. The number has dissipated somewhat. And the, the stocks that have been coming up over the past week or so have been home builders. I, it's really odd that home building stocks and the stocks that, uh, from companies who supply building materials. They've been coming up. And I just think, wow, if the economy is really headed to recession, why would the home building stocks be going up? I mean, those get hit really hard when the, when the economy slows down. People, you know, they slow down if they were making plans to buy a home and then they get their hours cut back at work or, you know, it looks like maybe somebody might be let go. They just decide, you know what, maybe we'll just stay where we're at for a while. So the home building stocks, if the economy was perceived to be going into a true uh, recession, may not be rallying the way they are. That makes sense? So I'd rather follow what the, uh, the market's doing rather than trying to guess at what it's going to do. And uh, again, we'll talk about all that in the latter part of today's show. And now one of the, the topics I always like talking about is, is managing risk. And, you know, and I got a bunch of help this week and I haven't been able to get through all the material yet, but there's a lot of material on helping individual investors manage their risk, which I think is the most important thing when it comes to managing your money is how much risk are you taking? You know, most people don't realize that they've been taking a lot of risk until a fund is dropped like a rock. Then they realize, oh, wow. Well, yeah. The, uh, see, if you didn't know ahead of time 
that that potential existed, then somebody was not telling you something that they probably should have if you were working with an advisor. Uh, they don't talk about this in uh, newspapers, by the way. It, it's not considered to be uh, something that's sellable news. It's There's not enough sizzle in it. So you're never going to hear about this in the Wall Street Journal. Well, you might. It'll be a small article about 30 pages back. <laughs> On the inside lower left-hand corner of one of the pages. <laughs> so they, they do talk about it. It's just that you have to read the whole thing for months to find a few articles on how do you manage risk in your portfolio. If it ever comes out, I mean, it's, it's been a long time since I've read one of those. I've, I've read about them there um, occasionally uh, in a really long time, uh, long time periods apart. Barron's will write something about that. But nobody focuses on the most important thing in managing your portfolio, and that's how much risk you're taking. That, that's, that's the key. Um, why, why are they not doing that? I have an, a suspicion. A suspicion that's because if they start talking about that, they're, they're worried that they might lose some sponsorship from some of the firms who manage professional funds because all professionally managed funds, all funds for that matter, have risk. They all do. And that's a, a topic that people tend to push back. They tend to focus exclusively on returns. And uh, you know what? I, that's not a. It's not the smartest thing to do. I don't think that's the smartest thing to do. I think you should really address the amount of risk. I think the average investor's returns go up a little bit, maybe a lot, if you give them those conversations. If you have those conversations, if you just say, "Hey, look, here's what you're doing." Here's approximately how much risk you're taking. Now, we have software that does that, by the way. And it does it very quickly. It does incredibly quickly. And uh, what's, what's hard is loading up all, everybody's positions. <laughs> that uh, I have, I, 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 I think the record for largest number of positions, we'll have to wait until after the music to find out what the answer to that question was. But you're listening to Bill Bullington right here on 1420 The Answer. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Angels on the subway She's buried in a magazine This world can be cold and bitter And we're back Hey, if you'd like to call, the number is 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. And, uh, wow, I was, uh, I forgot what I was supposed to finish up talking about. <laughs> I do that all the time. Um, but uh, if you want to call me and let me know, I'll be glad to pick it back up, 216-901-0945. And I was just thinking, I think I'm going to give away a, um, uh, a, $25 Starbucks card. How about that? I'm going to give away a $25 Starbucks card to the first person that can tell me what Amazon's sales have been in the last 12 months. What are Amazon's sales in the last 12 months? The uh, 
so the number is 216-901-0945. That might be a little bit too tough, I think, because you might, uh, hardly anybody would, would know how to look that up. Um, so let me modify that. Just take a guess. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. The, um, hmm, what kind of question can I get? I think people relate to. I, I'll tell you what. Let's do this. Let's guess at Amazon's profit margin. That's a good one. Just take a guess. What is Amazon's profit margin? And we'll take the uh, um, anybody that calls in, actually, 216-901-0945. You want to take a guess at their profit margin, 216-901-0945. And I will, I'll give you a hint. It's between 1% and 5%. That's their profit margin. After Amazon pays all of its expenses, what is its profit margin? And it's between 1% and 5%. So that's 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. What is Amazon's profit margin? And it's between 1% and 5%. So I've got a caller right now. I'm going to go to the phone. Paul, do you have a, uh, a guess for us? Well, I was doing the, 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 the revenue. And then you switch. Oh, well, you, I'll tell you what. You can do either one. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it's got to be north of $250 billion. You are almost on the head. So I'll tell you what. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm an insider, Billy, so you can't do this. Just let someone else. Do the profit margin? I, I, I was just looking at. I was reading my bearings this morning. I just I'm like, wow. I, you know, I wonder if price to sales. I'm like, man, I'm gonna look that one up. So, see, yeah. all your tools actually come in at different times. They kind of seep <laughs> into people's brains. So, yeah. hey, listen, have a great, a great show today, and uh, good luck. I'll talk to you oh, soon. Thank you. Yep. Okay, so Greg, that means you still have a shot. Hello. Hello. Yes, this is Greg. Hey, Greg. The uh, did you? Uh, Want to take a guess at what Amazon's profit margins are? Okay, and you're telling me it's between one and five. Yes, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna divide it in the middle and say three. That was fairly close. If you want to hang on, I'm gonna uh, um, put you on hold here and okay. and uh, take another call. See what this guy. We'll just take three. Uh, how's that? Hang on one second. Okay, John, you have a guess for yes. us. Hello. Yes, you're on the uh, Bullington Capital Report. Did you want to uh, take a guess at what Amazon's profit margins were? I'm going to go low, one percent. Okay. The uh, well, actually, the other Greg was closer. So, but if you keep listening, I'm going to be doing this stuff every week. So you can try to call it with another one uh, at another time. But okay, uh, I, sounds I, good. I appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right. I got uh, here's the last one. We're going to take three and Phil. Hey. I'm going to guess 5%. Okay. So this is funny. I'm going to uh, basically, you guys are tied. The other guy said three. You said five. It's actually four. <laughs> huh. So I'm okay. going to give both of you a card. Do you want to hang on? I'll get the, uh, the, uh, my board operator to take your uh, information. So we can thanks, send that. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> and yeah. So that's pretty good. The, uh, that is hilarious, though. So 4%. I mean, think about that. 4%. That's what Amazon is making on their sales. They're, after they pay all their expenses, 
have to they pay all their their taxes. They've got a four percent profit margin, and by the way, for years it was actually negative. They they lost money for a long time. Amazon was is one of those famous companies that made it despite the fact that they operated in the red for an extremely long time period. Well, you say, well, how how can they do that? How can they keep going? Because people kept investing more money in them. We just raise more money, stay in business. So, and that was pretty cool. And, uh, but you think about it, 4% revenues, by the way, were 252 billion revenues have diversified dramatically over the past, um, few months or a few years, the past decade or so. So they've got a lot of different divisions. Their gross merchandise volume, see a lot of their sales on Amazon.com, which make up a big chunk of their business, they can't they can't uh, report all of that. Well, they, they shouldn't. It's one point in time they may have, but I don't really know. But anyway, if you take the value of all the goods going through the online, it's four hundred and eight billion. It's a big, a little bit different. I got to go to the phone right now. If you'd like to call us three three zero, I'm sorry two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. I started giving out my uh, office phone. Anyway. John. Yep. Good morning. Good morning. The mention of the word Amazon brought me something else, and that is, after all, it's not something to be talked about as a cloud nine because they've become the cloud storage major company. They have a unusual arrangement, very profitable, near monopoly type of delivering thing, including inside your door with the doorknob sold by them. Yeah. And the database is so powerful than any Google, anybody else these days. If you want to be hoodwinked, all the small people selling through, you know, PayPal and at the same time uh, through the Amazon. Guess who collects all the data? There's nothing free in the world. Right. You give all your privacy, <laughs> how much you're selling, sitting in Lakewood, selling something, go through Amazon. Amazon collects the information. Sooner or later, guess what? Yep. You are in this quarters, right? They took over your business, and you are not in cloud nine. So maybe we should some regulation. Of course, regulation is a dirty word. After yeah. all, founding fathers said the best word is compromise. Even if you're not shut in Philadelphia in a smoke-filled room, but now we don't even understand the word compromise. Regulation, un, unfettered capitalism never works. Right. And I think we are practicing crony capitalism. It's sad. I think we should learn something from the founders saying it's a fragile republic. If you can keep it, unless you punch after China, then of course you don't need a ticket to return it either. Unless it's sad when I'm watching this kind of thing. You know, it's a near monopoly. The tech companies are doing this. And I think we don't have any antitrust laws. Technology is way ahead of the laws in the history of human. Magna Carta came, and of course, American Constitution comes in much later. There's nothing shortcut. Right. Thank you. Well, hey, thanks for calling. uh, That's funny. I wonder uh, if we could get much in... um, uh, How much a YouTube channel... How much traffic a YouTube channel would generate... If we just let people call in and vent, <laughs> that, that might be funny. That, that actually might be pretty good. We'll, we'll think about it. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, you know, I was, I'm always amazed. There, there are two things that gives a stock economic value. Actually, three things. You've got, well, no, it's two things. It's, it's basically earnings, basically profits or assets, you know. You have assets that could be valuable. 
And or if you have profits, you know, if you're generating profits, there are typically people out there who would love to purchase that business from you and be able to keep those profits for themselves. So those are the two major categories that that give companies value. You know, these are all the things that we're going to be talking about at that upcoming seminar that's not too far away. Actually, I forgot what the date was. I'm going back there right now. It's November 21st. That's actually the week before Thanksgiving. And I'm pretty sure it's a Thursday. Yes, it is. So Thursday, November 21st, 630. You can go to my website, bullingtoncapital.com to sign up for that. Um, I'll be bringing uh, more of the calculators out. It's a uh, uh, it's kind of fascinating that the new stuff that's out in the marketplaces. But the new stuff is still doing a lot of what we were just talking about uh, a minute ago. You know, the companies that are offering these products that are new, it's, it's a new twist on an old product. The old product is money management. And I know in a lot of the funds that are included inside of these types of products are companies like Amazon. Actually, Amazon's in multiple of those funds multiples. And uh, why would you want to know that? Well, I don't know. At one point in time, Amazon was not worth what it was selling for. It wasn't even remotely close to selling for what it was worth. It was overpriced, in other words. So when Amazon dropped by 95%, okay, try to get somebody to buy some Amazon. It's down 95%. People thought they were, you know, history. And it's it took a long time to come back, about seven years. And uh, you know, the vast majority of people, they look at it and, and they don't know that Amazon has a profit margin now. You know, for years, they didn't. They were losing money. They were literally losing hundreds of millions of dollars at, at some point in time. But they made it. They came through. And unfortunately for us, Mere mortals, unless you got a crystal ball that works, you can't really uh, forecast that. But you can own them. You can own those companies through stock funds. Amazon's been in a it is in a ton of ETFs. In fact, I have this thing, uh, this service that will tell you exactly how many funds uh, any stock is in. And I just turned it off accidentally. <laughs> I hit the wrong button. Oh, well, uh, I'm uh, shutting that down. But I can tell you Amazon's in dozens of, of funds. And that's a safer, kind of a safer way. Uh, you know, when you broadly diversify, it it's a little safer. Are your returns going to be as good as if you would have bought Amazon when it was down 95%? Heck no. Yeah, but you're not going to take the risk either. So managing that risk, that's a tough thing to do. What makes it incredibly tough today is that you read a lot of stuff online that mathematically is true, and it sounds like the risk is not all that high, but that's because you know you haven't had to study advanced math, and most people haven't. Most people didn't have to take college-level statistics um, unless you're a business major, and even then you wouldn't have to take that much of it. So if you're not familiar with some of the, the common terms that these guys throw around like nothing, uh, you wouldn't recognize it 
yeah, these things have a lot more risk than they appear to. And that's when math and marketing come together. The math guys say this, this is what we should know. And the marketing guys say, yeah, but that's going to confuse people and probably discourage them. So why don't we say it this way? And uh, that's that's where I'm going to part ways with uh, the rest of my industry. I'm not I'm not a big fan of that. I think you should know. And I'm pretty sure that that's one of the reasons that investors get so upset. They see the market go up. They think they should be up more than the market. They see the market go down. They don't think they should be down at all. And why do they think that? Somebody probably told them that that was possible. And not knowing that, you know, well, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I'm just going to say they, they just didn't know. And uh, markets do change too. But bottom line is, if you're going to beat the market on the way up, you're not going to, you're probably going to go down more than it goes down when it goes down. It's just the nature of the beast. It's typically how it works. And that has really changed. Last four or five years in particular, that has really changed. Um, I'm looking around, scratching my head for a reason. And I really think it's because of the popularity of the exchange-traded funds. I think I'm I'm pretty sure when I read the articles and I see how much more money has gone into exchange-traded funds versus actively managed mutual funds, it's an enormous amount of money. It's been shifting over. So the actively managed funds, the, the funds where people actually try to pick stocks, they've been dwindling in number. And the assets going into exchange-traded funds, those funds that are typically run by a computer, have been increasing dramatically. And it's had a fairly significant impact. And we're going to talk about what you can do about that at that workshop. That's one of the reasons I'm doing it. It's November 21st. What kind of adjustments should you be making to lower your risk without lowering your returns? Actually, you know, taking higher risk has not produced higher returns in the past few years. Yeah, at all. And I'm pretty sure this is one of the main reasons. So this is a, a good update for people. If you want to get there again, just go to my website. It's free. No cost to attend. No pesky salespeople are going to call you after the, uh, the seminar. And uh, if you have questions, feel free to email me, bill at bullingtoncapital.com. As this is a, it's kind of a big deal. Things are changing really fast. The artificial intelligence is has entered into the financial services industry, and it is amazing what they're doing. And you can benefit from it. I know you can. Uh, I'm all, already benefiting from it. I wish I would have seen it in advance. That That's the thing that's killing me. <laughs> but see, to see it in advance, you got to have a crystal ball that works. I do have a crystal ball. It just doesn't work. <laughs> Anyway, you're listening to Bill Bullington. I got to take a quick commercial break. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Hey, you're listening to Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon on 1420. Also available on the Fish's website as a podcast, 955thefish.com. 
And you can find us both on iTunes and iHeartRadio. So if you want to go to those and search their podcasts, pull up the Bullington Capital Report. You might want to pull them up and listen to the last segment, the one we're going to do right now, because now we're going to talk about individual stocks. And the look out for the Bull website, which is going it, – it, I know I've been talking about this for a couple of years, and it, it's actually finally coming to fruition. All I have left to do – is learn how to send out the emails. <laughs> so, uh, and I did have somebody, thank you very much. It signed up. It was too early, so I just refunded it. And uh, uh, it is functional. I mean, you can sign up for it, but uh, don't sign up for it yet. Wait till you hear from me, and uh, then you can do that. Um, should be pretty good. So today what I'm going to do is, is just kind of review what it is this investment management style is doing. Now, I have to tell you, I want you to to slow down, uh, at least in your thought process. Don't slow down in your car. If, if you're, <laughs> slow down your thought process. Uh, try to think about this. And investing is an emotional thing. You need to be relatively clear. Your mind needs to be relatively clear to be able to hear, to understand, and uh, basically get your arms around this. This technique we're going to be talking about is not something I will do for the general public. That's why I'm putting up a website. It's too difficult to do over a large number of people. Heck, it's uh, I have a tough time finding time to do it for myself. So the uh, uh, to do it for a, a large number of people, just it's just not existent, at least not today. Maybe at some point in time those tools will be there and I'll be able to use them or find them anyway, but that's not today. So the best I can do is talk about this and, and give you the education kind of do what I'm doing and not have to spend the same kind of time that I'm spending. I'm giving you the results of my work. And before I do that, I'm going to take a phone call. And if you'd like to call the number is 216-901-0945. And I got uh, Jimmy. Hey, you got a question for me? Yeah, good morning. Morning. Hey, uh, you were talking about um, people nearing retirement Mm -hmm. and what happened to the people back in 2007 when the bottom fell out of the market. Right. And for someone who is nearing retirement today, what would you recommend they do, seeing as this bull market has been running for quite some time now and a correction is going to happen eventually? And, you know, you don't want to be caught with a big drop, right, as you're about to cash in your chips as far as working goes. Yep. I think today um, what you should probably do is maybe sit down and talk to somebody about it. Uh, the... Um, market's not overpriced, by the way. If it were overpriced, I wouldn't be saying what I'm about to say. So uh, the thing is, when you ask a question like that, like it's not super simple to answer because there's no one size fits all. And the, the conditions that exist today are not the same conditions that existed in 2007. And if 2007 had started in 2006, okay, uh, by the, the time 2007 came around, the fixes would have been in and the last, tw- the last half of that big drop would not have occurred. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Okay. So do you know why the last half of that thing occurred? Why it dropped even further? Uh, not exactly, no. Because 2008 was an election year. And Congress refused to take any action to fix, to do what they knew they needed to do. It's, it's actually how the Democrats lost control of Congress. 
because they sat on their hands when they should have been acting. So if that whole thing had been pushed up a year, by the way, this is all Bill Bullington philosophy, and you can argue with it as much as you want. The great thing about being in America is we're all entitled to our opinions. <laughs> and so are you. The, the, uh, but if that had happened a year earlier, okay, then everybody knew what they needed to do to fix the economy. That's not a secret. We've done this a, a gazillion times since the Depression. That was the big one when they really cut their teeth and learned what they needed to do. Uh, there are a lot of things that happened that, that actually helped that along. But... Now it's just a, it's a known fact you, when banks lose a lot of money, which from time to time they're going to, uh, you need to halt, print up more money, e- extend credit. You're going to have to forgive loans and then you're going to get back to business as usual. That's what's going to happen. And the net effect of that is, is inflation. That's what happens. Inflation gets, I don't know if you've been to a Panera lately and I'm, I, kind of pick on those guys but out to a restaurant the uh man that the the food costs are you kidding the inflation is only what 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 are they saying two percent or something (laughs) they must not eat out (laughs) so i know what you're saying bill but but my my concern though is uh you know the the fed's kind of out of bullets right now as far as taking action to respond to a big drop well, in the market. Yeah, actually, people think that interest rates are the deciding factor. That's actually mostly psychological. It's it's literally the amount of credit that they extend, and that, that's not, that doesn't have a whole lot to do with interest rates. Everybody sees interest rates. It does keep the government's payments lower. Okay, so, but the, uh, uh, it's not as effective as a tool to get the economy going again. To get the economy going, you have to make credit available, which is a slippery slope. Because to make credit available, you know what you're doing with your lending requirements, right? You're lowering sure. them. <laughs> so you're, uh, uh, it, it's a slippery slope, but you know, we've been through a, a tremendous number of things right now. It, it looks pretty good. If somebody, to answer your first question, if somebody comes in and they want to know what to do, what they're really asking me to do is look into my crystal ball and predict the future and tell them, and they don't realize that that's what they're doing, by the way. They uh they just think oh no 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 I no no this is just me I I I just need to know for me um uh, well you know what <laughs> if I could know exactly what was going to happen just for you then I would know what's going to happen for everybody and you just you can't do this so here's what you got to do you got to decide how much of a decline in your portfolio are you willing to endure to put yourself in a position to make more than you would make on a CD. Okay. And if that, if that decline is 25%, that's great. 25% is half of what? Half of 50%. Right. So if I had 50% of my money in the stock market in various funds and, and the market went down 50%, how much would I be down by? Uh, 25%. You got it. And that's what you run with. So here's what happens. Let's say you're 50-50. And the stock market has those that big drop. Well, you've got half of your money in stuff that's rel- that's safer, that hasn't dropped 50%. That gives you the ability to turn around and add to those holdings, that 50% that is in the market, while it's down. And are you going to get the bottom? Probably not. 
Uh, are there levels that you can see? Maybe, but they're not going to be super clear. But the fact that you had more than half your money, and even if you just, just write it out, by the way, just say, I'm not adding anything to it, you'd be a lot better mm-hmm. off because you were never down 50%. And right. let, let's say you're taking somewhere between 4 and 5% out of the portfolio, and you got at least half of that other 50% of money in something that's super short-term and has barely budged, okay? That gives you five years to recover. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I understand the math on that one. Yeah, so I just covered everything you needed to know. You just didn't realize it. <laughs> well, that's why I called in, Bill. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. uh You might have realized your, it because, you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're actually more advanced than the average person that, that invests because I've heard your calls before. The uh, But basically, and I don't mean to make light of it, but it, it's basically it's the truth. So you go into it knowing ahead of time, okay, I think I can take this much of a decline without losing sleep. And if I'm taking money out of my portfolio, I know I've got at least five years where I can liquidate these short-term assets that are not going to fluctuate very much at all, You know, short-term bonds, floating rate notes, whatever. The uh, uh, I can tap that stuff while I'm giving my stocks time to rebound, and I can actually add a little bit of money over into the stocks so that they'll rebound a little quicker. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it sounds like a reasonable strategy. Yeah. Well, thanks. I appreciate okay, the call. Well, yeah, thank you, Bill. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And again, James, you have a uh, question for me? James, are you there? Yes, I am. Sorry, I have to turn off the radio. Okay. Hey, uh, some other time I'll, I'll talk to you uh, maybe off the air in the... Sorry about Geico. I heard you last week, and uh, okay, uh, some things to talk about. But but when you talk about timing, getting in and out of the market, I uh, saw a thing from CNBC, a big hedge fund guy. He yeah. said, uh, "If uh, Elizabeth Warren or Bernie gets in, that's a whole new game." And I know you like to be politically correct. I, I don't take chuck sides <laughs> in any of these things, right. and except here's a case where you might want to maybe rethink that what how she wants to change the economy i'll, I'll yeah. wait till she gets in and uh but you know what i hear the music well, I, I, well, yeah. plan though when before she gets in yeah okay um we'll call back next week we'll talk about it in more that gives me some time to think about it but have a good weekend and uh everybody else have a good weekend that's out there listening this is bill bullington i'm here every saturday morning from 11 to noon on 1420 have a good week good let good investing and good luck Every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC.